welcome to the Ginger Talks Podcast with Ginger Snap 67 and Druid Knowledge. And now, here's Ginger. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ginger Talks Podcast. My name is Ginger Snaps, and we are joined by Druid. How are you, my friend? Yeah, not too bad. Here we are live tonight, and it's always exciting to have a guest in the room. It's a different energy. I can feel the electricity. As you can hear in my voice, um, it's palpable. It's hot tonight. Um, you know, <laughs> we have that electricity that is uh, the one and only old cousin, friend, uh, podcast, podcast, podcast guest extraordinaire. I've already started within the first 30 seconds, of the <laughs> which is just standard fair at this point. How... Uh, over to you, my esteemed, our esteemed guest. Oh, okay. Hello. Hi. I am. You've said who I am. Oh. Well, <laughs> it's, I was waiting for you to give the big reveal. Actually, that's slightly disappointing as an interaction. This isn't good copy. Um, I'm just, just, just saying hello. That's that's all. <laughs> And Ginger, over to you, I think, at this point. We, uh, we're bereft. We've had some technical <laughs> issues today, and I think it's left, uh, it's left us a little wet behind the ears. So oh. if, you could, if you could offer us some stimulus. That's, that's good. I got you. Uh, it's, this is the second recording from the new Druid Towers, and having a guest, it's always a new place, offers new challenges. and. Uh, <laughs> Very yeah. diplomatically, but I must say. Listen, uh, talking to clients all week, I'm I'm very good at the you know things happen, but it's okay. I mean, this is how we adapted, grow, and I'm just talking out of my asshole. What's up? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's funny that we, I I think actually it, it, it's true. Like it, what we fail to like kind of accept as as like a society of people is that actually um, we're just a bunch of children playing dress up. And pretending that we know what we're what we're saying and doing, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think about that every time. So let's say I'm at work and I make a call to a parent, right? The, I I feel like I am a, a seven year old boy, like wearing my dad's suit in that moment, pretending okay. that I know what's going on. I I think the older you get, the more you realise that that's the truth for everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. A blanket agree. I well, mean, yeah. Like sometimes. Sorry. Being that I talk to people of all ages and stuff and like skill levels and shit all the fucking time because we're dealing with kids, which I know you do too, Druid, but like the investment people that are in the second floor of the office building that I work in, like those people are all talking out of their asses. I'm talking out of my ass all the time. My kid sister talks out of her ass. Like, we all do it. And we all just go, oh, yes, yes, mm-hmm, totally, quite, yes. Uh, yeah, this is, why I, this is why I thank you, the listener, listening to this now, as we fully admit that we have nothing really of uh, any substance to say to you whatsoever. The fact that you tune in, uh, even still, yeah. Um, 
Maybe, maybe, maybe we're breaking down the artifice of it. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. We 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 were having a discussion before recording today, uh, just slightly before. What what is it that the podcast team does? And the fact is that uh, I can't explain it. Yeah, I mean, it... but then it's, you know, it's all. Oh, yeah, please, please step in. I'm going to get all real and philosophical because we've been having a lot of these types of conversations at work. Right, okay. Oh, fire away. So, people who watch streamers, especially the the really personable streamers or um, a lot of the big streamers are popular because they're either really good at a game or they're really funny or they're very real and very personable. And we're just, I think, and people can tell me if I'm wrong, this gives us <laughs> real, unfiltered snapshots of things that could be edited, but we don't because it's real and it's funnier that way. Like, this podcast is just like, no, it's just a fucking conversation that you'd see happen at a at a dinner table between the same you know three or four people. Well, um, let's talk about sitcoms. Love a good sitcom. Because I I don't want to talk about J Dubs anymore, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the J Dubs, they come in, they're 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 obtrusive. Yeah. Ugh. Um. But yeah, sitcoms, sitcoms. So we we talk a lot about sitcoms on here. Did we talk about sitcoms on your previous episode? I don't think so. No. No. What's your favorite? What? How? So we. uh, So the first episode of the podcast deals a lot with uh, Joey Tribbiani, Matt LeBlanc. Um. So it's been a running theme throughout the episodes that we talk about sitcoms from days gone by. So. I guess the first question is, since you're a guest, and I guess that we've got to like interview you in some capacity. And actually, when you think about it, like imagine I'm like a real interview on a real like radio show. Uh, this is actually like uh, the most mundane question that I could ever ask you. What's your favorite sitcom? Well, I'm about to give the most mundane answer. It's friends. It's friends. Okay. It's friends. All right. Uh, Mrs. Knowledge, off the off the microphone. What is your favourite sitcom? I don't. You, she says she doesn't know, but I think it's also Friends, like nineties sitcom. Yeah, Mrs. Knowledge is Friends as well. So we've got two Friends. It's so boring. I. My. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Knowledge is, is is talking up a storm here in the corner. Oh, um, I love it. It's 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 obviously friends. She says, obviously friends. I know it's it's, a, it's, yeah. it's she says it's basic. It's <laughs> it's it's great, but it's it's like, it's like I said, it's it's a mundane answer because it's not what people expect, but it's Mrs. also the best. Mrs. Knowledge, Mrs. Knowledge, come come closer. No, okay. I just don't want. I don't want people to. I don't want people to think that like I'm. I'm making you up. I think it's a big thing here. But uh, yeah, you saying friends. It's basic to like friends. This is misknowledge. Uh, the, the report. 
it's basic to like friends, but it's just the best. Is that your message as well? I feel like it's a very common answer and kind of like an expected answer when someone was to ask about your favorite 90s sitcom. But the reason it's such a common answer is because it's so good. So what do you think then about, right, so we've got, we've got a thing here where uh, I don't know if you guys are noticing this, um, but I'm noticing a trend in articles appearing about uh, talking about what uh, Gen Z think about friends. Oh. That's always coming up in my feed. What do Gen Z think about friends? The, and um, they, they, uh, these articles are predisposed. Uh, they're written by people our age. And sorry, old kitty, I realize that you're younger than us. And <laughs> I don't want you to age up. Well, I was going to say, fun fact, technically, I am, I am Gen Z. Uh, ew. <laughs> ew. No, that's gross. <laughs> no, but like, uh, so we get a lot of articles uh, coming up at the moment. Am I the only person that, that's noticed this, that Gen Z are shitting on friends like in a huge way yes. ever since it came on Netflix? Dude, because yeah. they're like, dude, Wrath is so problematic. Oh, absolutely. I'm- they're shitting on like Joey being an <laughs> yeah. idiot, Ross being problematic. Like, see, I I think Ross is problematic, but I think Ross has always been perceived as well. Should have always been perceived as problematic, because let's be real, he was the world's worst boyfriend. Like, yeah, right, several times over. (laughs) But I'm fine. I really hope you can hear Mrs. Nod. She's going mental, (laughs) mental about this in the corner. Um. Uh, I okay. So what I'm saying is, is that I think Ross is is played as sympathetic, right? And that's the that's the gripe. Yes. Right. Uh, how? But I'm gonna come out with it, guys. Friends is categorically not the best sitcom. Uh, yeah, I. It's not my favorite. Not your favorite either. Um, I'm sorry to everyone in the room that thinks it is, but um, you don't think it's the best. I. It's not. Oh, that's good. Mrs. Knowledge has the best quote of the evening. It's not the best. It's just my favorite. Which, I, do you know what? I can respect. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I yeah, respect yeah, yeah. the fuck out of that, Mrs. Knowledge. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She respects the fuck out of that. But like, it's yeah. Actually, that should be the argument here. Why are we talking about the best? But I never realize I asked the question. Mm. But maybe that's right. Because I think the best is Seinfeld. Right. Probably Seinfeld. Probably Seinfeld. The problem that comes with me is the fact that I am 25 and I really don't actually know any other 90s sitcoms. Friends. You only know friends. I only know friends. You're full of shit, man. You you don't know Frasier. I know of it, and what I've watched, I watched a few episodes because our grand used to watch it every now and again. Grand used to watch it. You used to watch- yeah, I used to watch Frasier. Um, and that's the only reason <laughs> I've seen a few episodes of it. And but yeah, do you know, um, Ginger? I think it, I think it might have been the last time we recorded. 
uh, where I I was talking about how good Fraser was, mm-hmm. and then just to hear, I know it because of our grandmother. <laughs> most most of the shows that I knew growing up was because of her. Right, right, yeah, yeah. See, all right. So a better conversation. What's the worst? <laughs> Uh, it right. So we're discounting the obvious worst sitcoms that are uh, Two and a Half Men. Oh God! And uh, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, wow. Worst. They're the worst fucking. They're, they're purges on this earth. Yeah, they're, they're purges I mean, on this earth. They're fucking terrible. Being sad about that, I like The Big Bang Theory. Oh, Bazinga! Uh, see. <laughs> I enjoyed quite a bit of the Big Bang Theory. Did you? I I, did. I think the Big Bang Theory. Um, what was that? What do you say? It's shit. Yeah, Mrs. Knowledge. It's shit. This is why we live together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the Big Bang. Uh, all right, I'm gonna hot take. Are you ready for that? Okay. Last summer was the summer of no hot takes, so we're back. We're out of the barbecues on. Um, the Big Bang Theory is responsible um, for one of the biggest desecrations of um, social subculture that I've ever seen in my life. I think it's the end. Big Bang Theory is the death of nerd culture. I mean... The- Yes. Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory made nerd culture not fun anymore. Yeah, I can I can see that because there are certain things that I'm very much like, huh, huh, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a goofball. But like in a weird way, um, I see that as a turning point because. It made wearing Green Lantern t-shirts acceptable, uh-huh. which just should have never been the case. Right. I agree with that. Um, and that's not because Green Lantern shit. It's because it's just like, um, I think it gave that sense of community a jig in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. As someone who's like heavily entrenched in the nerd community, I can say the Big Bang Theory made gatekeeping so much worse. Yes. Yeah, which is what I'm doing right now. But like, what I mean by that is something I noticed at least, I don't know if it's political, but like growing up in like a couple of subcultures with like nerdy stuff, alternative stuff, um, you get like, Nick, be a dude rose coming up to you whilst you're wearing, I don't know, a Metallica t-shirt. They've got, <laughs> name three songs. Right. And like, you get the same exactly right. by Nick, be a dude bros in nerd culture. And I noticed it as a D&D streamer because I'm a woman. I'm not saying feminism. Not saying no, feminism. Stuff no, no, please get feminism. Um, but like, it's like, oh my God, um, do you know the, um, the second rule? On page 324 of the DM guide, and I'm like, hey, do you think I've got time to run that? Yeah. I'm busy having fun, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just laugh at that fucking douchebag and say no. 
<laughs> no. Big Bang Theory, like, popularizing nerd culture definitely makes that work. Yeah. Yes, because uh, because everyone's an expert, right? Right. And like, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on anything. You know, it's not about it. But, like, come on, man. Can I, <sighs> can I give uh, a couple... I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig deep because I know that I haven't given my favorite sitcom, but also I have a controversial least favorite. Oh shit! Uh, so digging deep into the a weird sitcom realm. My name is Earl. I love my name is Earl. I fucking love that show yeah, and i forget yeah, about it yeah and then i come back to it and i'm like why did i not continue to watch this over and over Yo, and over again never saw it to the end and i fucking loved it oh so good hey crab man oh <laughs> and, and not to be not to be like bigoted but <laughs> which, like, uh you always Jason Lee is a Scientologist, which like tarnishes that for me. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry to our many Scientologist listeners out there. Um, we will we'll still take your funding. And yeah. Merchandise is available at linktr.ee forward slash ginger talks. Uh, you'll find a donate to Elron Hubbard button at the bottom of the page. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, my name is Earl was one of those ones that was just like a sleeper for me. And I got older and I watched it more and I was like, well, fuck man. I really enjoy this. But one that I cannot stand, which people have revolted on me for, and they will continue to revolt on me for how I met your mother. No, it's dog shit. It's It's, so bad. It's dog shit. It's awful. It's ripping off friends in the worst way. Um, the, I, I, like, I, it's not funny. It's it's one of those shows, like, and there's some phenomenal actors. There's some great talent in that show, but holy fuck, dude! Like everybody rants and raves and rants and raves and rants and raves, and it gets such great reviews. But I can't sit through a full fucking episode of it because it makes me want to jump out of my second story window. <laughs> yeah. I, I completely, I think the, the, the room agrees. I oh. also, also though, believe that the cultural capital that, uh, how I met your mother has is waning. Yeah. And um, just people, people are not talking about that show like they used to. Uh, I'm just, I will say this. I remember going to people's houses when I was maybe in my late teens and going over and they would put How I Met Your Mother on the television and make me sit and watch it for an hour and a half because they're like, just keep watching, you're going to get it, dude. And I'm like, it's 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 scum. It's, it's complete scum. And uh, Neil Patrick Harris, is. I, I love Neil Patrick Harris and I love him in so many things. Uh, controversially love him in the, the latest Matrix film. But in in How I Met Your Mother, Neil Patrick Harris makes Kevin James <laughs> look like Peter O'Toole. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I I can't, man. Sorry. 
I gotta say, when it comes to help me, mother, I feel like there's like good moments, but that's all they are, they're moments. And even then, we're, we're, we're playing chess and loose. Yeah. I love the, I love the Robin Sparkles thing, cause it's quite funny. Um. And that's, that's about it. And they, I they mean, had good storylines that they had going, like, obliterated them. I feel like you have to wade through a mountain of shit to find a diamond. Okay, have you seen Third Rock from the Sun? Bits, pieces. Listen. <laughs> Bits and pieces. We're not in your era here. What? So what's happening in your era? Yeah. TV show-wise? Oh, God. Uh, so how I met your mother. Hate it. Uh, also came out a bit before I was in the kind of age to be watching that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, no, but now that you said the name, no, Joe, that's, that's our age. Um, I remember I have when I was having really bad insomnia. <laughs> um, I couldn't sleep. See, I watched King I of Queens a lot, have, so I don't have. Most time. I Anyway, people don't need to know that. How the sausage is made, so to speak. Um, a tour, sitcom tour. This is the most in-depth I think we've gone on the... So, sitcoms that I kind of remember and would have, like, been around the time that I would watch would be, like, Scrubs. Okay, yeah. Scrubs is also yeah. high up on the list for me. Uh, I've never been a big sitcom person. No. Oh, actually... As time's gone on, the power of the sitcom has waned. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I saying? The scrubs, scrubs, scrubs. Are um, you still love scrubs? And then I actually, I don't know. Scrubs kind of fell out of favor for me a little bit. Scrubs, like, it's one of those ones that I'll go back and revisit from time to time. But, like, Scrubs was also around the same time that I was watching more of, like, that 70s show. Like, I, I hit I hit weird strides in, in TV. I never watched Modern Family, but my mom, my mom really enjoys Two and a Half Men and The Big Bang Theory. Mom, if you ever hear this, just... Yeah. <laughs> I don't include it on an algorithm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um I'm just a I'm a contrarian algorithm, don't worry about it. Um Ginger's mom. <laughs> no, I hear I've never watched Modern Family, I've never actually seen an episode of like it's not just I, I've heard good things about it, but I've just never seen it. But I also feel like Modern Family did a lot in the representation category. 
for especially here in the states. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. You. You. You guys need that a little bit more than us. I understand. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm mm-hmm. joking. That's so <laughs> terrible. Um. Uh, <laughs> no. 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 I don't, We don't have that at all, really. In a in a positive oh. way, actually, I think that says it's a bit. Oh, we were going to get into like the politics of it. Well, we don't have to, but um, the states, the states, does it better? In terms of like representation in media, uh, representation in media, we're terrible actually. Uh, we're okay. We're getting better, but I think the states are better. It, Let's not forget, like this, we had, we had Pete Burns, and the states had RuPaul. And, you know, RuPaul, uh, I understand there's someone screaming at the podcast at me right now, but RuPaul, I, mm-hmm. I love RuPaul. See, RuPaul did good things in the fact that, you know, he once famously said that drag would never be mainstream, and, well, right. we've got to know. He was very mainstream. However, he, he's done some really horrendous things through representation oh, yes. as well. Because he only ever really... Let's be honest, puts forward one type of drag. Yeah. And then he said what he said about trans people and drag and how he would never have a trans, uh, a transitioned trans woman on drag race because this is the Olympics of drag and that will technically be cheating. Yeah. Mm. So it's like. Yes, he's done good things, and that's fantastic, but he's also had very harmful ideology. Yeah, I, I mean, RuPaul has done great things for helping further queer culture in the eyes of people. And, and that's a big thing. But RuPaul has also, like, made things worse in certain sections of drag culture because they don't you know it's it's not um certain kinds of drag aren't considered valid it's not it's less about campy drag or you know really off the wall alternative drag it's who can be the most realistic drag queen who who can get close to passing Um even old drag now it's not doing anything. you know this one is shout out to any club kids out there by the way um and i i'm gonna say i'm gonna like hey you guys talk about this because i am in no way qualified to speak on the voices of anyone feeling this way so just please just <laughs> i don't expect anything from me i don't want to say well, and, but <laughs> that is for me is appreciated because even me as someone who's who's not who's part of the lgbtqia plus community i still don't speak on behalf of trans folks non-binaries i try to uplift the voices of gay men on topics that involve them i mean for christ's sake i just (laughs) wrapped a fundraiser on HIV and AIDS research and I literally addressed that it's not just gay men 
who can have HIV and AIDS. Like, Which, uh, a misconception I had to clear up in class today. Really? Yeah. And that, that just goes back to the AIDS crisis in the 80s and what the perpetrated at the time by Um, And I just want to say, I too, very much part of the alphabet mafia. Uh, you're you're breaking up a little bit, Alt Kitty. I was just say, um, and that that come kind of comes down to kind of what the media perpetrated during the eighties AIDS crisis. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to point out that I too am part of the alphabet mafia. Um, <laughs> as is my partner, who, who is a trans woman. So, just let it be known. So that people didn't think I was stepping on their toes or anything. No. That person, the monarchy is very intelligent. Sorry, say again. Oh, oh but it was so simple. I said uh, not to be that person, but the, the monarchy is very much a part of the reason that the classism that we do. I. Uh, uh... I dance very delicately around that, especially on social media, because I got called a racist and uh, a piece of white trash by someone uh, on Twitter for retweeting a friend's uh, statement about, I get it, the queen wasn't the best person, but let the people who want to grieve, grieve. So... Honestly, you know, um, my two, come on. I mean, honestly, if you give a shit about what anyone's saying on Twitter about the Queen, you need Dude, to fuck off. I got attacked hard. And I was like, bro, it's not even my tweet. What the fuck are you jumping on my dick for? <laughs> like, I. Who does the Queen. Who does the Queen think she is? Is she the vamps all of a sudden? Uh... You remember, like. You know, you know, like when you say something about Britney Spears, and all her fans come out. Like, who, who gives? Like, I, yeah, you're right. Let them grieve. Who? Why? Uh, I'm going to stop talking because it's. Why does anyone care what anyone has to think? I don't understand it anymore. Dude, it fucking like. It was one of those things where I was like, bruh. Like, what, whatever, man. I'm just gonna, like, be over here on my corner of the internet. You enjoy being wrong over there. <laughs> like... can, we, can we just say as well, like, um, this is, this, this is the biggest, in my, in my opinion, the biggest bane social media gives us is the fact that we can say, oh, we we have to we think everything we say is the most important thing in the world. Lay off the fucking energy yeah. rings, man. Okay, I know I'm the guest here, <laughs> but <laughs> the <girl. laughs> uh, I gotta oh, I gotta man. ask because the thing with Twitter and TikTok, especially both of these spaces and Tumblr, more oh, so back oh. in the day, but TikTok is quickly becoming the new Tumblr. Is chronically online take. You know, people that don't leave their house or shower. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they just like make really bad like chronically online takes like they need to go back and touch some brass like the people have like favorites because mine is that if you have a large height difference in a relationship is that you are um pedo basically what what yeah there is a literally it's a chronic it's a it's quite a famous chronically online take that if you are at all um person who identifies as male and you are dating a short person that identifies as female you are a positive pedo yeah yeah can i just say this is this is proof that like the internet is an inherent evil and i get the um the kind of irony that we're here talking about uh, all this stuff, like, I'm about to say, like, it, you know, and literally, this is a message to anyone listening to us at the moment, is that, like, don't fucking take anything that we're saying seriously in any way, shape, or form. I, I'm not here. And in fact, I don't know how I ended up in this conversation. <laughs> um, but don't, don't, <laughs> don't take anything we're saying seriously. Because I, like people think that they need to, to be taken so seriously is how you end up with this bullshit, man. And everyone thinks that what they're saying is uh, super important. It's it's really not. And I don't know. And like, can we... I'm 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 gonna throw this out there, oh. and then I I'm ready to just drop it and fucking move on. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> nobody on the internet is perfect nobody on the internet is showing you the true 100% version of themselves no one on the internet <laughs> is a perfect fucking being alt kitty kind of knows where i'm uh, like she probably can guess where this is coming from and this is going when you get caught with your pants down, go, you know what? Yep, this is my ass. I'm going to make a change. I may be gone for a while. Deuces. It's the internet. It's not that fucking serious until you make it that serious. It's, um, it's the internet. Go touch some fucking grass. <laughs> uh, who said that? He said that Jay <laughs> I, I'm such a I'm such an I'm so out of touch man. what the hell are you talking do, so uh, twitch drama that people keep trying to suck me into which is all then just internet drama right yo uh, those two words together by the way they just should not exist I know Oh my god. Twitch, Twitch Twitter is like the most I guess the most like toxic space. I, I you know Do you know what the most toxic space in the world is? No. Wherever whatever fucking factory they're making prime in. <laughs> You're just mad, KS. I didn't show up with a case of it outside your outside your house. Do you know what? Do you know what? Like, um, 
I'm worried that somewhere in a landfill, there's a bunch of seagulls that have like contracted some kind of like attention deficit problem <laughs> from drinking prime. I, I genuinely think it's the. I genuinely think it's the devil. I. Ha- I genuinely think it's the devil. People are people are, and and maybe I'm just old, but like. We used to trample each other for cabbage patch kids, uh-huh. but now they do it for now they're doing it for energy drinks. Dude, I'm, and I'm, this is well, this is well uh, documented. They don't uh, do over, that shit here. I know that's happening over there like crazy, isn't it? What all it, these stores? Oh, that happened. At, yeah, that happened there, and um, they were they were selling they were selling them for I guess the equivalent of thirty five bucks. What the fuck? A bottle. Yeah, come up in. You know, and you know, isn't that just the the final screech of the planet uh, wailing towards the apocalypse? Right there. I'm just playing Minecraft, dude. Dude. I do have to say the Minecraft community Minecraft server, you bringing that up, Druid, and then like the community being all like Okay, so actually, when though, uh, has brought us so much great content. So thank you. <laughs> um, I'm glad. I would really like to join at some point, but I've got an issue. You're allowed. Oh. No, no, no. My PS4 account is linked to a Microsoft account. I can't remember which one it is. Oh and no! <laughs> that that you can't unlink. You can't unlink a PS4 Minecraft account. From Microsoft account. Yeah. It's the biggest load of bullshit. So I have the server details, and when when I can, I'm gonna join. Hell yeah! Because it people actually asked, um, and it's it's fantastic because they're like I can open the server hosting like software and log in and see who's online anytime. And right now, I can see that Toast is on. And yeah, that's the great thing about Minecraft server is it's I I freeform it like jazz. Yeah, there's someone on almost all of the time, and the fact that anybody can be in the voice chat and just hanging out and playing, and if they want to be in voice, they can be. If they don't, they don't. If people are streaming, people respect it. Like. There's great fucking moments that have come out of it and just so much laughter. And people who are normally just viewers are now involved in stuff. We heard Star in voice chat for the first time since joining the the respective communities in a Minecraft stream. Might be. Um, One day, one day, we'll join. (laughs) And completely realize it was my idea, and I've never followed through. Join it. <laughs> that is all. I mean, it's people are absolutely loving it. So we're just we're having a we're having a good time. But like, it's it's just crazy how things are moving and changing and. Yeah, the the so, landscape's very different. Like, uh, you know, isn't it nice to know that here it is, as a constant through all that chaos, here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
talking about God knows what, really. I mean, like, think about the, I, I'm trying to track the conversation as it's gone on, and it's not impossible. Um, mostly because about, I think about half of it I've not fully understood. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've tried, I've tried to, like, give as much as I can. I don't really know. Uh, it's, it's great to have two experts on the pod about something which I've, I'm such a, this is the thing about, like, where uh, the position I'm at now is that I, I feel like I have become an adult. <laughs> and I, I, um, I don't know how to word this without, like, it's not, in, in like, a, in like a way where, um, I haven't consumed that kind of media in so long right that i how am i meant to like join in in this conversation without sounding like like an old man yelling at a cloud and there's a few times i've had to like take my take a step back and realize that i am that person i think being a (laughs) being a teacher day in day out doesn't help yeah (laughs) because like a teacher is like um like a like a half a cop So maybe I'm becoming a cop. Officer Druid. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Officer Druid's here. <laughs> hey, I don't understand that prime drink. Hey, I tell you what, I'll calm you down, streamer man. How about you try one of these wonderful Marlboro cigarettes? <laughs> Dude, you know what's crazy is it's been almost a full year since my last nicotine hit fix any of it vape everything hey by the time this comes out it'll probably have been a year hey but you heard all the people that are doing it humphrey bogart listen i've had the urge to have a cigarette so bad the last few weeks really (laughs) yeah it never goes away no Dude, it it's just like I've been doing so good, and then all of a sudden I'm just like, you know, a cigarette sounds really fucking good right now. No, but can I just say this? If you actually have one, it'll be the worst experience. That you can muster, oh, right? I so I had the day I paid off my car, I bought a celebratory cigarello, and I I was like, I know I know this is dumb, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for me. And it was partially to calm my nerves because that was a big step. Um, that had been a piece of debt that had weighed on me for a while. And so I smoked half of it on the way to the bank. I paid off the car and I went and I smoked the rest of it on the on the way home. And my heart rate didn't drop below 100 beats per minute for about six hours. Oh, that's insane. And- and my heart rate sits resting at about 65 to 70 beats per minute. And I was laying down in bed. Um, <laughs> it's a bizarre metric. I mean, I don't understand right. what a healthy heart beat is. 70. So 70 is like kind of like the average for the normal healthy human being. 70. Lower is better because so your professional athletes generally have 
around about 50. I is worrying. Should we, should we have a contest? Let's see who has the bet. Um, well, it's not me. My resting heart rate's at about 110. What? Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. Let's see. Right. I'm going to carry mine in the background. Okay. Your barrel master watch. Okay. I'm going to take my heart rate like live on the oh, shit. live on the podcast. Let's see how healthy I am. Right. Put it on. Oh, so it's the, your watch will tell me. So I think it might be rather high because I uh, um. You have had alcohol. I've had alcohol and a whole Chinese takeout like. I ate it like mm. like it was a large Papa John's pizza. Um, <laughs> I mean, I my heart rate's a little high right now. It's high uh, because I, I'm excited to be on the Ginger yeah. podcast with family and friends. Hell yeah! This is knowledge has gone to bed, so maybe it. <laughs> maybe it'll go. It'll go down a bit because she's. I literally love it. Whoa! One and seven. One and seven. I'll be there. 109. Yeah, the more you look at it, the higher it's going to go. You can start thinking about it. 112. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. The more you look, the higher it gets because you're thinking about it. What the fuck? Get this thing off me. Okay. Um, Well, no one told me that the Apple Watch is actually just like a a Thanos (laughs) Tamagotchi. (laughs) 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 Mine mine used to sit around. Oh, yeah. 75. Um, mm-hmm. But then a few months ago, I got diagnosed with ADHD, put on ADHD meds, which, you know, the way they medicate uh, attention deficit hyperactive disorder is by making me microdose meth. Uh, yeah. My heart rate resting is about 110. When I, I was in Disney World um, in September, and I was working, I was working around. And at one point, I'm just walking. My heart rate got to like 160 something, and I got an alert on my Apple Watch that like, like you may be going into cardiac arrest. And I was like, no, I'm just no, no, messed up in the brain. No, no, Mickey just signed my autograph. Actually, Uh, (laughs) mine alerts at about 120. If I stay above 120 beats for too long, or like that consistent like 100 beats per minute for too long, it's like. Hey, yo, bitch, you dying? Yeah, you, the fuck? Hey, bitch, you dying? Imagine the, no, that's the Apple Watch. This, I mean, this is an Apple Watch. So it's the Apple Watch Series 6, I think, that can me- measure your oxygen levels. I don't want to yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, it, so it would be great for someone like my dad, who has heart issues, who has just randomly passed out a few times they have like things like fall detection and stuff because if you don't respond and be like oh i fell but i'm okay it'll call you an ambulance i don't know why this is spiral of my thoughts i didn't know there was 23 and me tests eight ago what's that okay, no. 23 and me so it's like basically dna test it tells you about your heritage and like your like genetic percentage of of regions um and then there's a place called genome link which goes into further depth um and i'm very white which is no surprise uh very stock <laughs> more irish than scottish but obviously more scottish than english but i'm also balkan which is like greek 
Oh, wow. Uh, Japanese. And Native American. Don't know what. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. How does that even work? It's like 0.1%. Basically, with 23andMe, you literally, so you get the kit come out um, and you spit, you put a lot of spit into the little thing and you send that off and they analyze it. And then with Genome, to do it with Genome, you just link the 23andMe account and they like upload the raw data and they go through it because they have more of a thorough database. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm not Native American. Not that I would ever claim to be Native American. But somewhere <laughs> in that lineage, that happened. I don't claim to be Native American, but I am a Navajo. Am I right? And <laughs> no, sorry, no, that's sorry. That's probably offensive. But um, do you know? I heard that Logan Paul did uh, one of those tests, right? He did one of those 23andMe tests and then it came back and it was just E numbers. And that's how they came <laughs> up with the idea of Prime. And then they just, like, it was a transfusion and that's how they made Prime. Like, some kind of, like, um, like, taurine-infused Dracula. Which is oh, E numbers. God. And then, like... He went to like sperm bank, and that's how H three H three was created. <laughs> they used to be so good, but it's it's these heartbreak ever on YouTube. But anyway, we're not talking about. I hate you. <laughs> I don't know why I brought it up. Wait, so the it's funny. So we're seeing the it's a quarter. So we we share a quarter DNA. So what I what I have that you don't have is the the uh, Judaism. Yeah, so that I didn't think. For me, it's Northwestern European, Balkan, Iberian, Italian, Eastern European, Near East, Dravidian, Scandinavian, Native Peoples of North America. I thought it was point one as well, point three. Maritime East Asia, um, specifically Japan, North Africa, and then other European. Hmm. I don't know how to yeah. here we are. And after all that ethnic and cultural diversity, <laughs> here we are talking about Twitch streams. <laughs> I will never think anything about No, no, no. no we, we, let's be honest, we are operating in such a wise way. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't want it to be that way. But Jesus Christ. Uh, Thank, let's thank Sheldon Cooper for that, actually. So, I know we, we, we shat, kind of shot on Big Bang Theory earlier, but mm-hmm. as someone who has recently discovered that they are autistic, I... What? Did you forget that? They're autistic in the show. Yeah, Sheldon's autistic, but it's not yeah. spoken about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but... It exists. Yeah. No, I'm saying I recently found out I was autistic. Not oh, oh, so, okay. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, completely misinterpreted that. Yeah, um, speaking of someone who has recently been diagnosed with autism, I am kind of glad that I had Shelvin Cooper way before I was diagnosed because, yeah, he's annoying and he doesn't really understand other people. But I'm kind of glad to have had that. Because it has sort of normalized autism in a way. 
Because even though they never said it, we all know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting you say that. You see, so I would have took it from a different angle. That I thought they were almost they were proving it was funny, but like it was maybe the butt of the joke. That's how I saw it. But to hear it from you, like I can't question that. I'm not trying to be bothered about that. I definitely think you were the butt of the joke in the beginning. I think the seasons went on. Right, yeah, fell out of it. Very uh, very much so. My argument my counter argument to that is uh, a little guy called Sherlock Holmes. Well, Sherlock Holmes, canonically, has sociopathic disorder. Oh, okay. No, sorry, not sociopathic oh. disorder. Antisocial personality disorder. No. Okay, well, that's my Um, And the only reason I know that is because I used to watch BBC One's Sherlock with Benedict from the Batch and Martin wow. Freeman. Well, Again, here, here, here lies the problem of the canonical evidence, I would say. <laughs> Maybe Sherlock Holmes aligns more with ADHD in a lot of ways. Has a lot of caps open in the brain. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Like, look, it's not my place to say. Uh, Never been checked up for anything, but not diagnosed with anything. So, not my space to say. But I, Sheldon Cooper, if he gave you that, I cannot show him. So, so. Well, I mean, it's like, zingo, that's all I got to say. There's, I watch, uh, God, it's been almost a decade now, but I watch Silver Linings Playbook ages ago and it did a really good job of showcasing for the average person what fucking bipolar and hypermania and severe depressive swings are like like i get it like having like it comes back to that representation thing um you know, they don't, there's, there's been huge strides in, at least here, that, like, women can have autism and ADHD. It's not just a male problem. It's not just a male diagnosis. It's not just a male disorder. And, like, seeing, seeing, so, like, what ADHD looks like in women, I'm like, yo, motherfucker, why do I feel why, why, why do I feel like I understand this? And then I learn their coping mechanisms, and now I'm a somewhat functional, uh, pseudo-successful adult. <laughs> so, like, I get it. I'm glad that you had Sheldon to, like, help you with that. But it makes you feel bad being on it, so I just no. don't think it's funny. <laughs> it's, this is the thing, like, yeah. funniness is subjective. Um, and I totally miss that. For me, Big Bang Theory. Um, I don't know, I've watched Big Bang Theory for far longer than I've been a diagnosed person. Or had a diagnosis mm-hmm. of autism. I literally got that August 2022. And as of recording this week, January 2023. So I've not been diagnosed that long. but And I've been watching Bang Theory for a, long, a much longer time. 
early season Sheldon, he just comes off as like this narcissistic, annoying asshole. But it's it's literally if we were to say like the last three four seasons where I really, it really kind of like comes through. It's like oh, they're trying to portray autism. That's where I'm kind of like oh, okay. okay. Um, but I, I will say that ADHD is in women and autism in women is so absolutely underdiagnosed. Oh, oh, well, 100% it, it, And as someone that works in a school, as someone that is spearheading like a program to change that exact problem, uh, what we'll say is that is 100, you know, 100% it presents more aggressively or disruptively mm-hmm. in, in men. It, it, it does, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sorry, if, and, and I'm not saying that's all cases, but it becomes apparent sooner and it, in a way that is more disruptive in that uh, women, for whatever reason, are less likely to be Nonverbal at a young age, mm-hmm. and have that kind of, and and I will argue this actually, I don't think it's a degree necessarily of the condition, but I think it's a degree of social condition. I, I was going to say, as someone mm-hmm. who is diagnosed with both autism and ADHD and identifies as a woman, um. It's, I, I feel it's absolutely societal because I look at the kids that I grew up with in school that were diagnosed with ADHD and were diagnosed with autism as autism as autistic um, when I was like seeing primary school here um, here in this area um, and the reason that they were diagnosed was because they were so much their presentation of these 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 things were so much more outward whereas mine was completely internal. Mm. My psychiatrist picked up within two seconds of seeing me that I was autistic. Um, mm. And that was because she saw my shelf of Warhammer things and d things behind me. Um, because apparently autistic people gravitate to those things. No, shit. Uh, but she said that the reason it's, she said to me that the reason it's not picked up is because women are so conditioned from the moment you are kind of like born, that everything you think, everything you say, everything you do is going to be wrong. Because that's what we are taught as women. Sorry to get rid of that. Um, and that's yeah. what internalizes those things for us. I was never a kid that misbehaved, but I was the daydreamer. I was the one that was like really, really smart, but didn't really contribute or didn't really do a lot. And like, I could literally find my school reports and they would say those exact same things. They would say that I was daydreaming, I didn't mm-hmm. talk, I didn't participate, that I was really, really smart. And, and that is such a common indicator for women with those disorders is you were the gifted kid, you were the quiet kid, you were really, really smart, you didn't talk a lot or you daydreamed a lot. That's how it really presents in women because we are so, it's so ingrained in us to internalize our thoughts and our feelings because if we express them outward, we're aggressive, we're wrong, 
those sorts of things. Yeah, it absolutely is a societal thing. Yeah. I mean, because in teaching, like, after school and dealing with just after school, any of these kids that, you know, if it's functional for them to be medicated, their meds have worn off by this point. And I got hit by a kid, like, physically struck. And it was a little girl who I believe was somewhat neurodivergent or might, uh, not a doctor, can't diagnose, but showing signs of neurodivergency or potential attention issues. Like, I was hit by a kid. I'm not going to take it out on the kid. There's obviously a behavioral thing that's caused that. I'm going to just be chill and handle the situation. But then when my little boys are getting frustrated and they're acting out and they're throwing their, their magic tricks, I whip out the fidget toy from my book bag and I'm like, hey, let's sit here and I want you to play with this if you want, take some big deep breaths, calm down, and we'll talk about your feelings. And all the teachers are like, thank fuck. And I'm like, listen, it's not that hard to take some consideration for a kid like but girls are conditioned to keep all that shit this, calm this down. is uh you know we started to speak, think about the breadth of time in which art and culture and media have existed and let's go back to say the ancient Greeks, the birth of civilization as we know it. And we look, uh, this was dominated by men. Uh, these spaces were dominated by men until. So we're going back to 2500 BC at least uh, for the likes of Euripides and um, Aristotle who, you know, mm -hmm. formed our basis of understanding of criticism of things in the world around us. These spaces and this idea of criticism and uh, being able to speak about things was dominated by men until, actually, let's be honest, maybe the 19th century. Mm -hmm. When you think about the scope of history in that time, We've come on leaps and bounds in maybe the last 100 years, more so than the previous 1,000 around us. But the space of feminine thought in, in a serious critical perspective has only existed for the last 200 years in the last 2,500 of this, like, years of discourse. Which, right. when we do the math, Half of the world's population is only accounted for in 10% of historical critical discourse. So there is much yet that we don't understand about like perspectives of people that are known as other, if we look at it that way. And that, to me... And I thought about it, I thought this the other day. That to me is a 
a, a stat that absolutely terrifies me because actually exploration of the known world and lived experience has only been half covered for 90% of the time that we have been writing tomes that have uh, covered experiential details of the human race, which shows that we know nothing of what it is to be in these like, situations. We only know the perspective of, you, of, of the privileged few. And that's not to say that those with those voices didn't give us so much. Isn't that shocking? And I came to that realization the other day and I was like, what? Absolutely. For me personally, I think we've, and I'm not saying this to discriminate against anyone's religion. Um, my best friend's Christian. I respect Christianity. But I do think Christianity has had a massive part to play in putting women in a second-class position because if we go back mm. i i say this is a raging pagan by the way um <laughs> burner at the stake people have, i have had people threaten to stone me before hey i'll get stoned any day um <laughs> i think we've gone because when christianity kind of like a thing only about two thousand years ago we went from a very matriarchal society to a very patriarchal society because women were, I mean, in some cultures, women were so absolutely revered as like these, like, of places of power, especially in like Norse culture, women were very revered and respected as warriors. Whereas Christianity came into place and it was very much a no. way for. I mean, and, and that was kind of like when our patriarchal society, I think, became the mainstream more than anything. Um, again, I absolutely, I just want to say, I just, people can believe whatever they wish to believe um, as long as your opinions aren't affecting other people's lives. So I'm totally chill with that. Um, I respect other people's beliefs. Um, and if Christianity is what you feel, and if that's what you vibe with, then that's absolutely, I, I love that for you. Um, but I do think it's had a massive part to play in where we are at. I, I, I agree with you, but disagree on Christianity being the starting point for it. And I will say why Christianity is born out of many different doctrines. Mm-hmm. And I actually would argue that patriarchy, uh, has been a dominating force. And I understand that female voices have spoken out. And the irony is not lost on me of mansplaining it, which is not what I want to do. Uh, uh, Ju- Judaism is the same. Uh, in, in many world religions, it's the same. Mm. And, uh, hey, uh, um, if you want to believe in any of these doctrines, then feel free. But no, actually, I respect your right to believe it, but I don't necessarily respect your beliefs if it's harmful to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, 
I reserve your right to believe what you want to believe, but actually, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily respect the leaks. I will say that, uh, mm-hmm. and any fire that wants to come at me, I, 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 I think I'm over it now. I'm too old, and I'm too withered, <laughs> and too decrepit, and I just want to say, like, uh, I bow to only one religious lord in this world. And that is whoever played the bass line at the beginning of Seinfeld. Bow, 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 bow. Because <laughs> irrespective of gender, race, read, religion, or creed, the Seinfeld bass line slaps beyond belief. There's a hill to die on. Live and die by your passions. Not bites. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna stop because I'm gonna say something that's gonna offend somebody. I like I I <laughs> be excellent to everybody and party on, dude. <laughs> that's all I think. Live and let live. Love your life. And let there's too much. Well, uh, we're we're spouting nonsense. Let's talk about something less serious because we are uh, all kids had a, a bottle of wine. Yeah, as have I. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. I, I'm on I, ADHD man. We, well, we, so we should we, you know this is exactly why we should be talking about King of Queens well let's hit these guest questions and then let you two <laughs> be free so a lot of them have to do with uh, D&D uh, so just be forewarned uh, I'm going to get the, the big one out of the way that's been in, at time of recording, in the news lately. And I know there was an update uh, today. Um, so, Alt-Kitty, what have been your thoughts on Wizards of the Coast's recent decision to update and change its OGL? So, the OGL and their update, or the, the leaked update specifically, we're going to if we're talking about it, is controversial. Um, what they were trying to do, I get it, but I also think that they're fucking themselves over. Um, mm-hmm. People are perpetuating misconceptions as well. Um, people are talking about how it's going to affect streamers and it's going to affect cosplayers and all this sort of thing, and it's absolutely not because those kinds of things are protected under fair use, um, and they can fight fair use. Like Watsi and Hasbro can fight fair use. However, mm, I don't really think it's really going to. That would really be a problem. Where the problem will be will be like third-party publishers like Pathfinder and those who like Hit Point Press who put out this D and D related content. However, they have since come back and rescinded that completely, which has just been because so many people have been cancelling the D&D Beyond subscriptions. My personal opinion when the OGL leak came out was this is really shitty, but this sounds like it's coming from Hasbro and not Watsi. Um, Because Wizards of the Coast have done 
questionable things and um, things I don't agree with. But Hasbro being such a massive parent company, I feel like this push has come from them, especially with Wizards of the Coast now branching into film industry with the new Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out. Um, yeah. I get that they need to protect the intellectual property from other big companies, which I agree with, but they shouldn't shit on their community in the, in the same breath, you know? Right. I think, I think that's really my opinion on it. I mean, I, from, so to, to kind of lump in Drew it a little bit, what the leak was is that Wizards of the Coast, who owns like Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering and stuff for D and D, if you were doing like a a homebrew campaign or like a spinoff of some kind using Wizards of the D and D related stuff, if you made more than a quarter of a million dollars, they were going to charge you or take a larger cut of your revenue. And was like uh, it was a big increase. My big thing is there are so few people that make over fifty thousand dollars a year, and the people that do make the quarter of a million plus are big, big, big groups who can afford. As someone who is in. <laughs> business and knows all the raw numbers of business and content creation and stuff if you are smart paying that fee isn't shouldn't break your bank but also wizards should not be gouging and in in essence hasbro should not be gouging everybody involved in any of their ips reprinting limited runs of magic the gathering cards that are selling for thousands or a single card. Fucking market values. Uh, promising things and never delivering. Uh, cutting out small comic shops. Wizards is like shit in the bed. And I think it, it really... I do think it comes from Hasbro. But god damn. <laughs> but they did walk back the leak though today i think you said right i was in the car on the way here when they they sent out a statement saying this is never what we wanted we wanted fan feedback and the whole community feedback and stuff um and we see that we can't do what we want to do whilst also respecting our original ideologies and essentially what it was was we want our money back please subscribe to team d beyond again because what they were trying to do mm-hmm. was not only, like, come, basically, for people who don't know, you have a lot of third-party publishers who, who will publish, like, homebrew D&D com, uh, content for money. Like, they will put out these books and stuff and these modules for money that are meant for D&D and covered under the open game license. And Wizards of the Coast OGL leak that happened was that they were going to basically take that as their own and say that they owned it and completely rescind the old open game license in the same breath, which legally 
not sure they could have done in the first place. As someone who deals with the law on the day on the, on the daily, like it's it's quite literally my job to deal with like legal cases. I'm not entirely mm. sure that they could have done that legally in the first place to rescind the the old OGL. But they were essentially trying to take fan made content and own it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was where a lot of the point of contention came from. Yeah. Um. I. And I I keep seeing the the critical role folks and people talking about critical role. Enjoy critical role. Do your thing. It's not mine, and I respect that. But critical role makes so much fucking money they already have an agreement with wizards of the coast anyway so it's right it wouldn't have really affected them either either neither would it have affected dimension 20 which is the other big one that i'm aware of Mm -hmm. um it was i feel like a lot of people and a lot of content creators blew it far out of proportion and perpetuated mistruth However, I just want to say that the OGL leak still absolutely sucked, but there were still perpetuating mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. It, it shits. Well, I'm already. I, I mean, I will admit it. I'm already really upset at Wizards because, because of the Magic the Gathering thing. I mean, I donated to a friend's collection cards worth thousands of dollars because I had no use for them anymore. I could have sold them to him, but he couldn't afford them. And so I gave them to him and they are now worth half the value, which tells me if he would have bought them from me, I would have felt so guilty because wizards just made all of those cards value cut in half. And I get it, evil lord Hasbro. But fuck man. Like these so. these decisions don't appear in the minds of the people that create uh of these outlets, right? Uh yeah. it's a corporate thing. Mm-hmm. But like if you're in a corporate situation you know, there's that old parable of, like, it's a fool that builds his house on the sand, and it's a smart man that uh, builds his house on the rocks. But it's, let's add on to that, it's a more foolish man that, like, destroys the rocks his house are built on. And when you've got a passionate community, like, at the centre of your business, why would you undermine that? And without the community, Wizards of the Coast will be absolutely nothing. Wizards yeah. of the Coast relies on the community because they're the ones that are churning out, quite frankly, absolute shit at the minute. Uh, mm-hmm. And I say this as a D&D streamer, I think this is an avid D&D player who loves Dungeons and Dragons. Wizards of the Coast's content that they've put out in the past two years has been absolute dog shit. It's been yeah. rehashing of the, of the same 
they've all they've done really is like reskin old things that they already had because they've got this new DD one coming out and it's on the one hand i get it but on the other hand it just doesn't really compute in my brain um well that's they're shooting somebody actually asked somebody actually asked uh Ronnie Tonic asked thoughts on D&D 6E and there was uh wait there's 6E now I thought there was 5E like I don't even I have 3.5 books I I said I'm not gonna buy four four is two different we're all playing 3.5 that was a decade ago <laughs> what the f- I don't even know what's happening anymore understand <laughs> clarify so there's no such thing as 6E not 5.5 either so what wizards of the coast or what see as some people that are bringing out is dnd one which what they've tried to do is address racism issues that have always been prevalent in the past um dnd content you know saying that dark elves tieflings are inherently evil in law in canon dnd law because why should they be, you know? Um, right. Those are a couple that's far, far more. And harmful stereotypes. So, I think it was with Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that they brought out um, new ways of lineage. So, instead of races having an automatic boost to charisma or dexterity or whatever race, you can pick the pluses that you get. Um, and D&D 1 is just kind of like further verifying that. It's still 5e. It's just the character creation system is going to be slightly different as it's not going to say that, for example, Kalashtar get a plus 2 to Charisma or Wisdom, I can't remember. Um, and Halflings oh, okay. get a plus 2 to Dexterity, you know. It's it's more of just putting every single species rather than race, I think, as well, that we're doing on a level playing field. And nothing is inherently good, nothing is inherently evil. There's no inherent racism because that is an absolute great indeed. They like high elves have always been seen as incredibly racist, anything not high elf. And they're just trying to eliminate that. And stop having it as like a base product because, let's be real, I say this as a DM. Um, if you need racism and stuff to make your world interesting, you're not a good writer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's my two cents on that. And that's clarification about 16. It doesn't exist. Well, because the one of the responses was that it's coming in 2024, but some of the anticipated content is like quote out there unquote. Still kind of hoping it'll be like five E instead of a whole new edition. So I'm kind of curious what others have to say. So it's it's uh, it's definitely an interesting um, interesting thought. I mean, because I before. They even put ease on their additions. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm like, back in my day. Uh, but I mean, I literally still have my 3.5 books sitting on the bottom of my bookshelf. And Get the F. 
<laughs> it like it felt like things were simpler back then. And that's when Pathfinder was first starting to get big and I never made the jump to Pathfinder. So well, I know we're saying when the OGL like the leap is like, oh, we're going to move to Pathfinder, and I'm sitting there like, do you not realize that Pathfinder is going to get absolutely massacred by this new OG? Yeah. yeah, that's another that's another thing that it just it just popped into my head. Yeah, such a good such uh, a good answer to that question. <laughs> no, no, it was just a comprehensive answer to that question. I've got one for you. What happened when the gym bro went ice skating with the Wizards of the Coast? Yeah, I suppose. He slid into the dam. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> uh, I, I figure we'll do this with a a D and D related question and then a non D and D related question, and we'll bounce back and forth, get through a few of these, and I, then whenever you guys are done, just yeah. tap. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, like, uh, if we're, uh, if that's the format, I'm willing to go as long as possible to see when we run out, which kind of question we run out of first. <laughs> well, well, let's grab a a non D and D related one. Uh, Andy, real Andy Deceal, asks a dream travel destination. I've already been to some really cool places. I've been able to go to. Peru and got Machu Picchu. I've been to Venice already. Um, and I've been to Disneyland Florida, which was kind of it. My dream travel thing was like Disneyland Florida. So I guess next it would be Athens in Greece, which I'm actually going to in May. Um, yeah, so I guess I would say Athens. I dig it. That's cool. Travel destination. Interesting. I would go everywhere given the opportunity. I would go to fucking Ukraine. Uh, I wouldn't actually. I. We're going to India next year. That's been one that I wanted to go to for a while. I. uh, I want to go places. Actually, that you know, that are a little bit more difficult. I want to go to somewhere that the world has rocked a little bit because I think it's important to. I want to do that because I would like to have some perspective, but realize that actually that ambition isn't really something that could ever come to fruition. But I have a general belief about humanity in that we don't decide what happens. There are a group of people who decide what happens for us. To go on the ground in somewhere where difficult shit has happened, I would like to affirm my belief that people in general want 
maybe three things. And I think that's to have food in their bellies, have good times, and people around them they care about. And I want to see if that is true of everywhere. Um, also, would love to come to Iowa. <laughs> I mean, you're always welcome, man. Be a long, I... a long time. <laughs> I would love to. I mean, come to Iowa. There's, I can show you so many things, and we can get in a car and drive and see nothing. Hours. That's great. Yeah, yeah. But what what you don't understand is that, like, so uh, Mrs. Knowledge's um, brother uh, did like San Fran. He he kind of did the the West Coast, right? And mm-hmm. it's funny because like. Uh, every like truck driver's ideal like idea of hell is like going through these like uh like kind of midwest states where there's like nothing going on but for them mm-hmm. it was uh it was like wow we drove for six hours and there was nothing <laughs> and you, you you realize it's all a matter of perspective right <laughs> yeah well, that's the thing. Like, my boss loves, you know, cities and stuff, and she feels like she's trapped in Iowa. And I'm like, listen here, you don't even know. You, you don't, you grew up in a city of, you know, 350,000 people. You don't go to many, quote, cities that are less than a thousand people. Like I, you don't go there. You don't spend time there. Your graduating class was the size of my entire high school. Like (laughs) she, she forgets that there's a, a world of, you know, rural America. That's nothing. And there's just cornfields or that there are places in this country where English is the second language. <laughs> it's all a perspective thing, was, right? We can't imagine those spaces, people that don't live in, unless you go and see it. Yeah. And we were in South Dakota for some shows, and it was like driving through a, the, the city we were in is a city that's like a recognizable name if you live in the Midwest. But it's the size of one of our small Iowa towns. And there's not a coffee shop. There's not a Starbucks. There is a Subway sandwich shop. (laughs) And a couple of gas stations. And, like, (laughs) it's just, there's not a lot of different people. It's kinds of people. It's it's the same, you know, know, everybody's business. And yeah, yeah, right. I almost forget, like, in the best possible way, I almost forget Iowa's a state when we talk about it on the podcast because it's like Des Moines, right? And then outside of that, what is Iowa? It's like, it's it, you you know, when you're on like a Red Dead Redemption map, (laughs) you come across like, like, like five houses, dude. 
there are some spots in Iowa that you drive through and it looks like it's stuck in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Actually, like, I would love to visit that kind of like landscape. I've always been really interested in it. Um, but then also, change my answer. Like, always wanted to go to, uh, like, maybe like Arizona or something like that, where you've got, or, or like Death Valley, California, you've got those kind of like the desolate mountains and the this Having seen like a designated dark space, looking at the sky somewhere uh, that had, you know, a, no light pollution whatsoever, you get a different perspective of like what's around. And you start to understand mm-hmm. like, how people used to chant the stars and tell stories, and we've kind of lost that in, like, an urban setting. So as many... Yeah. In the best possible way, as many places where the, like, nobody is kind of sat forward. But what's yours? Yeah. I... So you've never left the States, but... I've been to Canada but not very far into Canada, and it was all very touristy where I was at. I would like to go to the more remote, desolate parts of Canada. I would love to spend a decent chunk of time in Scotland and Ireland and just get away for a month. Yeah. And just be. Well, you know, you know, we want very well. I've been like a year ago. Like, I went to the biggest, like in Scotland, went to the biggest, like space of kind of uninhabited land in the UK, mm-hmm. and hand-fed deer, and went out into like like scenarios. Uh, mm-hmm. Loved it, but I must say, compared to compared to what you got to used to, it must seem minuscule. I mean, America's a weird, a, a, a weird thing because it's every state. You're like, oh, there's tons of people that live here. Oh my gosh, there's you know the entire population of an entire country can fit in this state. But then you really look at it and you go, but these people are all in this city or these cities. And it's so rural in between. There's no single state that is, there is just a bunch of big cities or medium-sized cities that are kind of chained together. Yeah. That, and yeah. like, that's a big misconception because you think about. New yeah, York, you think about California. Literally was about to say, upstate New York, very different from what we understand. Uh, you know, Manhattan. Right. Like, in Southern California, yeah, there's a lot of big cities, and like, you're if you're in LA, it's not uh, very far off of other, bi- like, Long Beach is technically in the same greater LA area and it's an hour drive from Long Beach to to Palm Springs but Palm Springs is a tiny tiny town but 
it's one of the biggest music festival sites in the country. You know, Coachella happens in Palm Springs. It's but I'm gonna flip this question once. So I'm gonna if you don't mind. Yeah. I'm gonna go around and say, what's the best place you Best location. If you you know the one place you you're like, wow, I could go there again, again, again. I'm gonna start with Ginger because you went last last time. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been there, so I'd like to go again. But I've been to Niagara Falls two or three times, and it's stunning. And I'd like to go spend more time in the falls. But if I had to pick somewhere else, um, there's a little college town in Georgia or there are spots in Southern California that are just chill. They're fairly quiet, but they have that laid back West Coast vibe. And I loved it. All you gotta do is take that like Drive down the two, and then you're the heart. <laughs> I will say, fuck driving on the 101. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's avoid the 101. You know what I mean? I prefer to take the two, right? We're going to drive it on uh, the 10 was gross. Through the mountains, but um, that was all right. If the people listening for a hundred bucks in each, then we will make a documentary where we go down sixty six of them. I mean, huh. on throw the money at us. Let's make a documentary where we do sixty six. I would love that. Oh my god! I do not. That would be wild. Yeah, but I underwear. I'm so glad we took the six to see and not the ten. <laughs> and we listened to uh, the Valley Girl by Moon Zapper the whole way. Like, you ever heard that? Oh my god! <laughs> you ever heard that song? Yes. So, oh, you played it for me. So, oh my god, Valley Girl, tubular. Oh. It's like a California. What's the best one? What's the best place you've been? Uh, um, so there are three places I visited that are very close to my heart that I would say are probably the best places I visited. So I can't really pick between three. Um, so it's Machu Picchu in Peru. Um, specifically Machu Picchu, I would never go to Lima, which is the capital of Peru ever again. Fuck. <laughs> um, that place is not safe. It it wasn't when I went. Um, Venice. I love Venice with all my heart. I, mm. I, I love that place so much. Um, I worked in Venice when I was 19, I think. What's in it? Okay. podcast. Yeah. I was part of the um, La Biennale uh, Arte um, in 20, must have been 2016. 
2017. So, yeah, I just, I love that place so much. I, I love visiting there. I've had, like, the best calzone I've ever had there. Um, <laughs> in, like, some random side street where I had someone's laundry hanging above my head. Um, and then um, Amersfoort in the Netherlands is also a place I just absolutely adore. I've been to the Netherlands quite a few times and I've never been to Amsterdam, which is where everyone goes. I've only ever really been to Amersfoort and um, the place looks back something. Um, and I just, I just love Amersfoort. Mm. My pronunciation is perhaps. Oh, I thought it was really good. Amersfoort. Oh, it's, it's we need nightmare back. <laughs> yeah. Holy <laughs> bay. We had a, a, a guest recently, a Dutch guest. All right. I don't know what else to say, apart from he would correct your pronunciation. <laughs> 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 uh, he'd help you out. Yeah, yeah, he just like, yeah, yeah, throw you an extra line. Uh, the knee, it's... Uh, it's a tosser. I would go back to Sicily. I spent many months in Sicily. I worked there, as I've mentioned on the podcast before. I would go back there. Uh, I would go back to New York as well. I enjoyed New York, uh, and I didn't think I would. But I'll leave that there. Please carry on with the uh, D&B question. Ah, so this one will hopefully uh, be a little bit more uh, easy to answer. Do you prefer to play or GM slash DM? Play. So in my stream, play. Yeah, I in my streams, I am very. I'm the DM. I'm the person that like thinks out the campaign. Well, we're running a module, but. I'm usually the person who thinks out the campaign and all that. I am very much the DM, but my preference is to be a player. Um, I like the not knowing and trying to figure out. Mm. So I play in three, well, I play in two D&D campaigns and a Vampire Masquerade campaign, one of which I'm the DM. So I've got my Tuesday game, which I DM, my Wednesday game where I'm a player, and I, I, I absolutely love my Tuesday campaign that I stream. However, I just, I love not having to be in control of every aspect and just kind of like mess about. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of prefer to be the player, but I am happy to be the, to be the DM. It seems like a big responsibility to be a DM. Oh, God, it is. And, uh, and I've only played D&D uh, a few times, which is why, like, we're talking about, like, recent campaigns and the kind of politics of it, like, I don't understand that. But I, mm. um, what I love about D&D is that you have this kind of, like, game of chess with the DM, where you're constantly trying to outsmart each other. Yeah. Which uh, I agree, which is, like, more role-play than any video game I have ever come across. Because that, in real life, 
that's the situation but like also I think if I had the choice I think uh, if I could do the reading I would love to one day be a DM because I think I would be such a fucking ridiculous like so here's the thing be a DM you don't actually need to know really mm. jack shit about D&D so I started yeah. DMing three months after starting three months after I started playing D&D my DM for my Wednesday campaign which we are nearing I think we're, we've been running that campaign for three years now um Jeez. wait yeah no it's three years this year um but we three years this April um started that campaign three months into being a D&D player DM, if you are to, if you want to be a DM and you want to run run a campaign, all you've got, all you really need is like the will and a storyline, um, and then the rest is kind of ease with it. If you've got someone that you know who is a DM or an experienced DM, they can always help you with like the actual DMV side of shit. So like, so this is when you would ask for an intelligence role, this is when you would ask for this kind of role, that sort of thing. You can also just buy the DM's guide and that'll tell you. But So in short, what Old Kitty is saying to me right now yeah. is that I can run a DMD campaign for the Ginger Talks community that you co chair and we're all gonna play together. You know, I'm pretty <laughs> sure last time I was here on this podcast, we spoke about running a DD night. I would love that we should do a we should do a community D and D lot. I am in the process. So the current campaign that I'm running is a module, and we are getting to the point where we'll be ending it in the next few months. I imagine depends how quickly it goes, because um, we are kind of half at, we're at a halfway point, and we've taken a lot of breaks. If we don't take a lot of breaks, we'll be finishing finishing pretty soon. So I am kind of setting up the next game. So I would absolutely have like one shot from things like that. Or potentially just something that, you know, you could kind of have for a community and community. Maybe I'll edit this out. I'm going to posit this idea to you guys. Let's do a charity D&D strip. Oh man. Let's do the charity DMB strip. I'd be down. It's been a long time since I played DD. I do still have a bunch of my dice. But so I will have all kitty to guide us. Let's do a charity DD strip. Yeah. I could never do a I could never GM just because I don't my my brain doesn't function to to have the visualization stuff that is sometimes required for it. So I'd be down to be a player. Yeah, I'm so incredibly used to it. And my my lot are ridiculously chaotic. Like they once they were trying to open a door um, in a dungeon, and this door. Have a strength, had a very, very low DC to break open, and it wasn't. It also wasn't locked. They just never tried to actually open it. 
Um, and so we were doing a bit of a homebrew that Dragon Age setting. We picked up the canary, which is like like this giant person with horns, and ran them through the door to open the door instead of you know just open the door. Um, and then kept that physical door with the two holes in it from the canary spawns as a tower shield. Um, so like, by the way, was I'm, that was that was that a guy that kept that shield with the holes in it? Um, it was a even Trump. Why are you keeping that door with the holes in it? No reason. <laughs> well, it's only got like the two holes, hmm? and then you can use that to like keep your. Exactly what I was insinuating. You, you, you see, you can aim that because mm. they were a wizard. <laughs> well, here's my pledge: if we, if we, if we, if we can get a certain goal together, I will do the whole thing in character as a uh, an eccentric wizard in costume. Oh my! God. Right, this is happening. <laughs> this is happening. I swear. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like. Welcome to the games. <laughs> oh, a gas night. You seem to have found a door with two holes. Do you want to take it and peep through or try and open it? <laughs> that is a can opener, Sir Knight. You have rolled a five and therefore you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> if you want to pass by me, you must answer me these questions. Three. What? Well, I'm going <laughs> to... Being that we're talking about this... Sorry, I just uh, read another question that kind of falls into the... Falls into the... Uh, an extension uh, to the original question. As a GM, do you believe in critical fails triggering shenanigan consequences? I don't know if this is what they meant, but what I do with um, critical fails in, in combat, so generally speaking, because we use roll, what we particularly use roll 20 to combat, we'll have eight, because one square equals five feet, We'll have you'll have eight about eight squares around you. I have to roll a d8 um, if they're rolling out one on their attack, and their d, that d8 depend like kind of decides what happens per square um, of what happens uh, like during combat. So it could be that they mm-hmm. actually hit an enemy, that they hit an ally, that they bounce their sword off the ground and hit themselves. Or the sword gets stuck, or whatever. Um, if we're talking like ability checks, so rules are written in the DM's guide. Uh, critical fails and critical successes in that ones and that twenties. For those who don't know, um, don't actually mean anything. They just are a pass, uh, a, a pass or a fail. Um, how I do it is if you roll a nat one. Uh, on like acrobatics or athletics or whatever that you're trying to do it's like the biggest ADHD moment happens to you 
So I had a fire fry and so they were an aracobra. So for those who don't know, that is like a bird person, essentially. Bird person. Um, and they were trying to fly through this window of a library that was armed with crap. Um, and they rolled in that one. And so they tried to fly into the window and got magic missile casted on them, which is an unavoidable <laughs> attack. Um, and because they rolled with that one, they were like, oh, it's fine, I'll do it again. Um, or so it's things like that, or they'll have like a really hilarious fall, things like that. So, yeah, absolutely, like critical failures. I will. If, you, if it's like an agreed upon thing when we start the game, they always send out consent forms and things like that. Um, I would absolutely always make it hilarious. <laughs> Good. Uh, it, that was asked by ADHD Toaster, who asked the previous question, and uh, he is very pro shenanigans. So. Pizza. Here we go. Oh, it's hot. It's hot. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, non D and D question, and then we have like two more D and D questions after that, and a couple other non D and D questions. But there's still like five or six that are here. Uh. Unconventional waffle toppings you are willing you'd be willing to try. I mean like what is unconventional? Yeah. Uh yeah. Unconventional waffle toppings you are willing to try. I was given zero criteria. But uh yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say I'm like I'm marrying a Dutch person. The Dutch, uh, they border with Belgium, so nothing's kind of on off limits. So I don't really know what we consider an unconventional. I'm marrying a Dutch person, so my unconventional topping is that person. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, cannibalism. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> it's either that or insects. You fucking waffle. Um, um, I, for me, it would be a BuzzFeed quiz printout. Just to <laughs> eat them, just to see what my personality is at the end of it. And it turns out I'm Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker. <laughs> I mean, like, use your imagination. I mean, like, Four laps. Uh, unconventional waffle topping. Wait, I, I reckon. Do you know what? Eggs with maple syrup and hot sauce. Oh, this sounds. That's not. That I was gonna say. That's not super unconventional to me. The hot sauce on its own is unconventional, and that's what my answer was gonna be. Yeah, but like, would it actually be nice? Like, it depends on the waffle. Are we talking Belgian? Mm. Yeah. Are we talking like Strawbottle? Strawbottle. Oh, it's like 
Not My apologies. Uh, <laughs> oh, unconventional waffle. So, I... we are living in a world where sweet and savory are colliding like uh, particles in the LHC program. So, I mean, like, I'm going to say basil. Mm. Basil and olive oil. Why not? With a bit of salt. I don't know. I don't know many people that put butter on their waffles. I do. That's very common. Okay. Well, Noodles. America, Noodles on waffles. America. Ooh. So the American contingent here just admitting basically that everyone's stoned. Well, I put um, I put butter in, in spaghetti. So I put I, butter in. Oh come on! No, no. There's an Italian crying. I love Venice. So I put butter in spaghetti. Mamma mia, and uh, I mean, but It's just because spaghetti in the UK I found is very dry, no matter how I cook it. So it's just to give it some, some of that moisture back. Here's, here's the tip. Right, so I learned this very recently uh, that if you, the darker your pasta, your dried pasta, the lower quality it is. So if you get a dried pasta that is like bright yellow, that's the that's one to get. But so I'm saying a savory waffle. So we're gonna put a little bit of garlic. We're putting olive oil on it. We're putting rosemary on it. And then maybe Like for me, vegetarian Worcestershire sauce, and we're gonna try like a gravy waffle because it's like a Yorkshire pudding. Sorry, I just I have to ask. You have to clarify vegetarian Worcestershire sauce. Henderson relic is not all Worcestershire sauce. It's vegetarian. No, my mind has been blown. Made from anchovies. I think. Oh shit! Seriously. Mm-hmm. The the only form of that sauce that you can eat without animal products in is the Sheffield based Henderson Relish. I should check mine because I am like incredibly allergic to fish. Huh. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so no one agreeing with mine, sentiment. Ginger? Surely you put a bit of ginger on that. Well, I so I was actually gonna say something along the lines of, um, uh, doing something that's more like, uh, like a spicy noodle, like a Southeast Asian, uh, whether it's just like the sauce or just like scoops, uh. Of just like noodles, <laughs> and you use the taco like or use the waffle like a taco shell. Can someone just like clip ginger saying "oops"? I'm. That'd be fantastic. You, for me, I I think it's like almost like a gravy working. I mean, it, not even a a, a gravy because like I I guess this is a perfect point of 
foods are slightly different <laughs> with the same name, like same names, different foods. Um, yeah, but like breakfast gravy here, fuck me up. It's so breakfast good. Breakfast. It, but like that's common. I gotta say, I when I went to America for the first time in my life, early, not early this year because we're in twenty twenty three. In September 2022, um, I finally tried biscuits, like American, like the biscuits that Americans are. You know what they are? They're fucking scones. Shit. They're scones. That sounds awful. I hate scones anyway. Fuck you and your biscuits, (laughs) you do. How about that? Um, See, I'm not a big fan of biscuits unless they're super buttery. And they have like gravy or something. I ha- there's too fucking dry. So what are we talking about when we're saying gravy? Uh, so we had so we obviously talk about the, the brown gravy, but Americans generally obviously correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not American. Um, I don't know why I'm talking. Um, there's something like white creamy gravy. That- so like the IKEA gravy? No, it's like white. And I so- eat fucking. So let me kind of explain it the way. Like we make it here at at home, like my family and stuff does. We make because we're not vegetarian. We usually take the fat from like bacon or sausage, and we then add like milk and flour to it and let it thicken. And so it's it's still a. It, it's a very heavy gravy most of the time. Right. So it's lighter in color, but you let it thicken and uh, then you put it on like biscuits or pancakes. You usually have it with breakfasty s- stuff. You I, don't have it with like food. Is, it's not gravy. Uh, yeah, I say this. Uh, so gravy is very much associated with Yorkshire, and I say this as someone whose father is from Yorkshire. But that is not gravy. I say this as someone whose father is from Yorkshire. Yorkshire. It, that, that is, is not, not gravy. gravy. <laughs> That's American snot. That is yeah. throw milk in, pork in, What's bacon. That's not gravy. That's that. not gravy. That. <laughs> Do it for Yorkshire. What's that? What's that? Ginger snaps. How dare you? But you can also have it with like fried chicken, and it's, it should be white. <laughs> It, excuse me, that's not how they do it in Yorkshire. That's not gravy. Not gravy. Jane Bean would be very. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what you got there. You got posh cream there. Yeah. And I would know because I'm in the Beatles. <laughs> I tell you what, we had John Paul, George, and Ringo. Those were, those were the days. Had proper gravy. Isn't that right, John? Imagine the world with proper gravy. That's right, John. I'm Paul McCartney. Uh, that, that's really awful. Doing an impression of the Beatles. That's right, John. That's proper gravy. I'm Paul McCartney. I'm whimsical. Then John's like, 
Imagine a world with different gravy, people. <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, I, hate, I hate Liverpool. <laughs> do you know what the, but, and but, do you know what the worst thing about Liverpool is? Chicken chops and charcoal. The Beatles. <laughs> I'm the gravy, George, isn't that right? Don't talk to me, John. I'm just a sitar player. <laughs> gravy? Why are, you t- why are you talking about, Ginger? That is not gravy. That is a breakfast Bre- gravy. Breakfast gravy. Like, so, no, no. Okay, we're getting too pissed off. But, like, uh, let's go back to D&D. Listen, <laughs> I'm just telling you the shit that goes on here. Y'all are jumping on me. I, I didn't do it. I didn't name yeah. it. I didn't make it a thing. All right. Okay. All right. All right. I feel like I'm in daddy. <laughs> I feel like I'm in daddy daycare when he speaks to me like that. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, okay. Right. Um, I've been to IHOP. That was not on the menu. Uh, were you in IHOP here in the States? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, New York. Okay. New York. That's fine. I'm aware of it's on the menu on at IHOP. Uh, well, I, I looked at it and I deleted it. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Breakfast gravy. <laughs> Breakfast gravy. Over here, we call that milk. Mm. And we put it in our syrup. <laughs> anyway, this, is, this has gone way too far. Can we have... Next question. Next question. Next question. Mm-hmm. I don't, oh, even, know if, I don't even know if everyone answered. <laughs> Right. Oh, sorry, carry on. What alignment best suits you, IRL? Oh, um, so fun fact. It's the exact same alignment that I play in all my D D campaigns like as a character. Uh chaotic neutral because I find that I'm very much not a lawful character because fuck capitalism. Um but I'm not evil either. So I'm kind of like more of a neutral, but at the same time, I'm a very chaotic person. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, chaotic neutral, which is also what I play as one of my characters. So that's just easier for me to do. I'm telling you what I, I I'm it. telling you what I play. I play Yoko. God damn it. What what do you play, Ginger? And then I and then after that, like you can tell me because I don't know what the fuck I am. Oh, I've got you. I've got your your alignment. Now. All right, right. So Ginger first. I would like to think that I am chaotic good that leans to chaotic neutral because there's that part of me that's just like, oh, juicy dirt. Someone's ruining their life. Ooh, let me grab a glass of wine. <laughs> like, there's still that big part of me that's just like, ah, yes, mm, I love watching the world burn and just like subtle digs. But all in all, I am a pretty good person, I think. So I think chaotic, good that leans closer to neutral is uh, yes, Ginger, you probably about where I fall. Ah, uh, yes, Ginger, you are Galadriel, leader of Macwood. <laughs> Honestly, I see chaotic good for you as well. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, true. Yeah, I see you as I would say chaotic good. I wouldn't quite put you as neutral. Um, 
but I would definitely say it, there's definitely a chaos amulet at a moment there, but I would say good because I wouldn't say you're quite neutral because neutral suggests that you kind of do what's best depending on the situation rather than trying to follow the rules of the land. Um, and I feel like how a good more fits you because you try and see the best. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that as a compliment. Huh? You're not neutral, you're good. And to me, that's great. Uh, it's like the sorting hat saying Gryffindor. <laughs> I'm very much a Slytherin. That's I. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, but because not all Slytherins are bad and not all Gryffindors are good, so. Oh right, are oh, you taking away from me that I could be good? I'm chaotic good. Thank you. You're chaotic, good. which basically means you get things done. You get good things done in just a pretty awful way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll say that. I'll yeah. say that. Most <laughs> people with ADHD, I feel, are, no, I'm saying that, have ADHD. Um, I'm not. <laughs> Live <laughs> diagnosis at the five tier level. Yeah. I work with psychologists, <laughs> but I'm not a psychologist um, or psychiatrist. Um, I find are in the chaotic element because you've just got that many tabs open in the brain. But yeah. Mm. Wow. We're a bit deeper than I was expecting, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) Next question. So let's grab two more because then we've. yeah, uh, and we've been going for we're, we're back to the old days length of recordings almost. Um, favorite artist, and why are they your favorite? In what context? No context was given outside of that. Wow, big question. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, if we're talking musical artist, it's Hailstorm. I don't really have a reason why. I just really enjoy their music. I've seen them live twice, once downloaded, once headline Um, I just really enjoy the energy that Lizzie Hale brings. I just like it. Yes. Uh, if we're talking like artist, then I probably say Salvador Dali. And really just because I like the surrealism with them. I've been here with Dali and Yeris. Um that was an experience. So So we're talking art and music. Um so I I I guess now it's become a two tier question, but say music and visual. Mhm. I I don't have necessarily a favorite musical artist. I have so many that I I bounce between. Uh 
that I really enjoy. I mean, Christ, you were talking about, <laughs> uh, I brought up Orville Peck and private to Druid earlier this week. Um, but I'm also just super deep into in this moment right now and the pretty reckless, but I'm also like, uh, like my fucking music is just kind of all over the place right now. So I don't know if I have a favorite artist per se musically. Um, the one I've listened to the longest would probably be my brother and the Beatles, uh, separate, not together. Cause that'd be weird. Uh, but like, wait, wait, what did you just say? (laughs) Did you just say you like the Beatles? I've been listening to the Beatles since I was young. Um, well, it sounds to me like you need help. I get by with a little help from my friends, so, you know. Well, I just wrote that about Yoko. <laughs> like, special friends? Was it uh, Ringo did Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah, yeah. Ringo, Ringo used to be the voice of Thomas the Tank Engine. Which was great, because Ringo is the worst Beatle. We all know it. And uh, Ringo like. And what are you up to today, Thomas? He's like, nothing. Well, sounds like Yoko in the studio to me, but she got a producer credit and I didn't. The Beatles. I didn't know you liked the Beatles, Jim. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I find myself unironically just singing Hey Jude to myself all the time. Um, uh, that's what I say. Whenever I'm making a bad decision, I go, nah, 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 nah. Hey, Druid. <laughs> but I mean, like, I've listened. <laughs> My brother had the, the Red Album Beatles Greatest Hits uh, CD or or my mom had it and like that was a big exposure to the Beatles for me and so I listen to the Beatles they, they pop into my music rotation a lot more now frequently than they used to I hated the Beatles for the longest time because I want to hold your hand is just so inconceivably ridiculous to me I hate it, but then no band. Uh, what I will say for the Beatles, and I'm not saying I'm a big fan, no band evolved quite like the Beatles. Happy, they went from I want to hold your hand to happiness is a warm gun, yeah, yeah. So come on, and John Lennon's solo stuff, I actually like more than the Beatles, but like that isn't mm. this is not the answer. That I've given, but like that's for <laughs> so the Beatles. I'm honestly surprised that you didn't expect that because we've talked about me liking so many different kinds of music. Uh, yeah, but the Beatles, like I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know why. Um, yeah. I, uh, um, but as far as like artists, I don't know who did a lot of these because I, I don't like under, like I, I fell out of it too, too young, but the really old traditional Japanese art that came um uh like the came around the time of the great wave of Kanagawa. The wave, yeah 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 i know exactly it uh what's the weezer album that's got like that as its cover pinkerton oh you know the yeah. way i know exactly what you're on about mm, because i there's something about the style that i i really enjoy because the art that came out around that time some of it is very like especially for women is very softly depicted but also some of it, it according to our eyes today look a little odd but just seeing the different art that came out around that came out of that era of japan i think is beautiful yeah 100 percent uh and you can see how that went on to like and not in a condescending way, like inform stages of like Japanese art that we see today. But, oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good pick. For me uh music wise. No one surpasses Pink Floyd. I think Pink Floyd are the uh, just the greatest uh, in the Dark Side of the Moon album. Pink Floyd create mm-hmm. like an atmosphere about time and the passage of time and aging, where the music informs the message and makes me feel something deep and. Nothing has ever made me feel the way that Floyd does. So for me, it's Pink Floyd. Or the, uh, uh, I'm almost ashamed as like a lover and creator of music to say like something almost so predictable for me, mm-hmm. but like at the same time, uh, have learned over the years I can't deny that influence. The Pink Floyd for me is like the biggest thing because. They talk about so many social issues in their lyrics, and that isn't uh, like such an underplayed element of that band because they get lumped in with being like this kind of like smoker doobie and listen to the echoey guitar solo band or listen to this whole thing band, but like you forget the lyrics, but like actually Pink Floyd. For a bunch of like posh students from London, actually make a stance on the right things most of the time, and say things about like the world in the most amazing way. And the music also makes my spine tingle. Uh, that they're almost my favorite artist in every aspect. But then, um, as someone that has gone to many museums around the world and seen many things. Uh, 
and having thought about art, at one point I would have said Ralph Steadman was my favorite artist, and he does a lot of scratchy, inky pictures, and he did like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Actually, like having gone okay. to many galleries, ha- having gone to many galleries, I think my favorite artist is actually maybe Caravaggio. Um, it, because Caravaggio, yeah, classical painter, uh, he comes with an interesting story. I believe Caravaggio actually murdered someone and had to like run away from his hometown, and it's filled with intrigue and interesting stories. But Caravaggio has such an understanding of light and dark and contrasting the two together that I find arresting and arresting is not a word that I would use when uh, talking about art unless I really meant it and it's the light turns against the dark it's that contrast Caravaggio is amazing so I recommend you go and look at it I I have such a hard time just because for me any traditional art is so visual i mean it's that's the nature of it but part of the reason i do abstract is because i don't have a visual imagination anymore so for me visual art is so difficult i have to have something that truly makes me feel something it hits in a certain way like it's like that's what makes that question actually super hard for me. I had to like really think about like what kind of art have I always loved and do I always gravitate back to as a visual stimulus? And then like that's really what kind of hit for me. Yeah. Um but cuz like you brought that up and I used to love Banksy. Like Banksy's works, like that Banksy was something I really dug in college, but I can't conjure up an image of a Banksy in my head to save my life. Yeah. Uh, it just looked like the spray paint bottle on MS Paint. You've got it. Uh huh. Nah, like I can't deny Banksy, but like in a way, like graffiti. You know, we had Paycon, the Patreon mm-hmm. episode, and you look at people like him, it's like working class grifters. I believe that Banksy started off that way, a man with a vision, but actually, like, he's now, like, obviously making so much money so far removed from that culture. But, like, who right. even is Banksy now? Right. Then, who am I? Also, to say that because I don't know shit. <laughs> I still think it's no lime and tomato. I think it's the head. Oh, well. <laughs> the head. Hey, what? Banksy's never had breakfast gravy. Because <laughs> if he did, it'd be even more dour. Um, 
Well, do we want to do this last uh, question and then uh, wrap her up? Yeah, let's do it. You up for one more? Hit me. All right. What's your favorite setting? I'm assuming for Dean. Uh, uh, I have one. Uh, you're, you're. Sorry, I'll move close to the microphone. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, I don't really have one. So, in terms of settings, I really only play homebrew stuff. Um, apart from the current module that I'm running. So, it's quite subjective. I like kind of medieval fantasy, I guess. Um, we try to, we, we did run like a one shot that ran longer than one session um, mm-hmm. of heist where everyone was human and there was like a mix between, it was more of a mix between practical and magic uh, with a, an emphasis on practical. And I just really love like the medieval setting, I guess. So that's it really. My very first uh, D&D campaign was a uh, was a Star Wars D20 campaign. Oh, wow. And then everything else we did was all homebrew. So I I get it. (laughs) But I just like how homebrew can be anything you want it to be i i'm running a module right now and i feel like it really cuts off my creativity i don't like that which Mm. is why i'm very excited i'm enjoying it but i'm excited for it to be done so we can get onto my homebrew world that's like Mm -hmm. properly done which the last one wasn't so yeah gotcha well, if the people want a D&D uh, campaign that that stars uh, Druid and I and uh, led by <laughs> Alt-Kitty, <laughs> let us fucking know. <laughs> yeah. So that. I, I, like, I picture it as this. Like, we do an endurance campaign for charity. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's how I picture it. I don't know if that's how you guys see it—an endurance campaign for a, for a good cause. With it, like we can have people dropping in and out for donating mm-hmm. uh, that can fuck with the game, essentially. Okay, so like, say a certain donation threshold can yeah. dictate the movement of the players. The more you donate, the more you can control the game. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm. So they can throw the gum in the works. They can fuck the campaign and watch us try and work it out. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, I think that could be a good little earner. If you're interested in seeing us doing that, please write in. Maybe we'll do it. Yes. Maybe we'll do it anyway because it's good enough and the the kind of stars align for us to do that. I think that would be really cool though. Like endurance stream, long 
anyone can come in at any time. Let's say we've been doing it for 10 hours and someone can come in and like fuck us up. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like a, like a IRL Bixby crate, basically. Oh my God. Yeah. You see what I mean? And then, and then you've got to watch us like tired as fuck, like scrambling to like deal with the situation. I, I uh, think there's like, <laughs> like, honestly, I think that's got legs. Yeah. At home as well, I've got a book completely dedicated to traps and puzzles for dungeons in UTD. So. Look at that. Hell yeah. There's potential. Yes. I, I, if you guys want that, fucking let us know. And uh, maybe if there's enough interest in it, and any of our patrons would like to join, join the Patreon, uh, maybe you can be a part of kooky shenanigans. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure things out. But, you know, I think that would be fun. Because I know there are people who would love to play and be involved. <laughs> so it, it writes itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So, well, Alt-Kitty, thank you so much for joining us. You brought a lot to the table. Yeah. And that's just not the real-life table in the room, but to the <laughs> metaphysical conversational table. Thank you. Uh, an honor to have you with us. Thank you. Yes. Uh, is there anything you'd like to promote, shout out, do do any of the things? For? Oh, okay. Uh, well, I am all cat, uh, all fat. <laughs> all, all kitty underscore on pretty much everything. Um, I do have an Etsy shop where I do cosplay plushies and you can always DM me for custom cosplays, um, which is Creative Clark on Etsy. Um, Clark spelt with an E at the end. Um, I'm currently making, I've currently listed a moving workable tiefling tail. So that's pretty oh. cool. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really what I have to play. Also stream every Tuesday oh. and Friday. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for, for being on. And Druid, thank you so much for uh, wrangling her into, <laughs> into it. <laughs> No worries. Uh, great to have a guest in the room with me tonight. Uh, I live for it. So here we go. It's the season three. It's been a strange schedule. Not yes. my fault. <laughs> uh, That's all right. Big life things. Yeah. But uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you to our listeners and our patrons and. All of you guys, we appreciate you, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you in the next one. Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>